What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Jayham Special, where we talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40k, Dungeons and Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. My name is John, I'll be your host for this episode of Magic Monday, where I delve into Magic the Gathering and some of the different tips and tricks I can give to beginners and seasoned players for when it comes to playing the game. Today will be one of my many episodes going over the Magic Color Pie and the Color Wheel, and some basic ideas of what you should be trying to do with those colors. If you're a beginner, hopefully this is really helpful for you to look at a theme of cards and help you with your deck building experience. For those of you this season, hopefully they can start a discussion to hear what your favorite cards are in the color pie. Today's episode is going to focus on white. So, when you decide that you want to play white in Magic the Gathering, there might be several reasons as to why you got brought here in the first place. I can tell you for myself, I do love the white color of the Magic Color Pie. And uh, the reason that I got brought into it in the first place was because it involved quite a few creatures and abilities that I really enjoy in quite a few games. As far as the creature types you'll find in white, you'll find things like angels and soldiers and like... You'll find humans in here, but humans can really come in all kinds of shapes and colors. But what really brought me to it was the angel, Avicen. As somebody who has grown up in the church and has seen quite of art and depictions of angels, this is what really drew me into building some of my first Magic the Gathering decks. And uh, the very first deck I ever bought was a Allies deck from Battle for Zendikar back in 2015. And it involves um, some different soldiers and pretty much allies that were red and white aligned and one of them was angelic captain who was a red and white creature for me i was inspired by the art i love the fact that it looks like she is charging the battle ready to take on the foe in defense of her allies those who she is sworn to protect and that was something that really drew me into it both on just the color pie but also the theme of white and it's how i've built a lot of my decks nowadays this also expanded me over to appreciate green and white, like Sigarda, red and white, like Gisela, just plain white, like Avacyn, or blue and white, like Bruna. There are quite a few different white creature types and planeswalkers that you might really like. People like Gideon, who can pretty much become a creature himself and swing in and deal some damage, is, is really cool. Uh, but a couple of the big things that a lot of people find in white from set to set would be the white weenie strategy, where it's just a bunch of small creatures that get buffed up with different effects, be it just instant sorcery spells or enchantments or other creatures. And then life gain is the other part of white that you see quite a bit across the board. And honestly, these are the two flavors that you're going to find in white that seem to pop up almost all the time. There are other things too that you can play with white that do show up, but these are the two that are most prevalent. And these are the two I'm going to talk a little about today when you are starting off your first deck with Magic the Gathering and trying to put the white in there. So when you are playing white, I don't want to tell you just to narrow your thoughts down to playing only white weenie strategies where you're playing a bunch of small creatures on the board and buffing them up or just playing life gain. But it's a pretty easy way that if you are a budget player looking to just get started off, either you're new to magic or you just want to make another deck that's maybe you can loan to one of your friends or just have on hand, it can be really easy to find those synergies and strategies across each set in magic. It seems to be like that's one of their pivotal pinnacle points they use for it there. White is also good at like taxing things, so making it harder to cast spells. Um, 
Vernwing uh, Mare, which I believe makes non-creature spells cost two more to play, is an example of that. Thalia, um, she both Thalias from um, the different Innistrad sets, she makes things harder to cast, either by making opponents non or non-basic lands come untapped, or the original Thalia just making it more expensive to cast spells. Um, I think it's just non-creature spells. You know, so white is pretty good about that, but that's kind of few and far between. Usually those are rare cards or at least uncommon cards that, you know, make their way into different sets. So they can sometimes be a little more expensive. But when you're looking at white, you know, just an example of it mm -hmm. is you want to look at the things that are going to be big threats that you can play to finish out the game. Um, and But you also want to look for a lot of spells that actually help balance and work with each other. And I think this fits in the color pie of white quite a bit. Um, white is really good about looking at collaboration and everybody working together for the greater good. Kind of like the Talon Warhammer 40k, the greater good. You are trying to serve everybody. It's one of the selfless colors. Um, if you want to kind of equate it to what I've talked about, you know, D&D &D and stuff, it's one of those where you are willing to kind of sacrifice for yourself to help others, or you're looking to try and aid others rather than just being the most powerful thing on the board. Even one of the most powerful creatures on the, you know, the white color spice spectrum, um, Avacyn, Angel of Hope, she herself, she is an 8-8 flying vigilance indestructible angel. Um, yes, yeah, she costs eight mana to get on the battlefield and... I absolutely love her. I have my Avacyn deck still because I love to get to play with just a big honking angel. Um, but when you look at her stats, she makes all the rest of your permanents indestructible. Even the most powerful, one of the most powerful creatures that has embraced white makes it easier for everybody else to be protected and be saved. And that's something where when you're playing white, keep that in mind is roll with that theme if you can and help everybody else. Audric, Lunar Marshall, is one of those that I really enjoy as well. Um, I think Lunar Marshall, I think this is the one I'm talking about. It was the one that came out in Shadows Over Innistrad, and I built a commander deck around him as well, and I really enjoy him as a character in the story, but also just how he plays in the game. And his ability reads that, you know, he enters the battlefield, he's like a 3-3, cost 4, and um, so he does die to Lightning Bolt, but... Um, if one of your creatures has first strike, all of your creatures have first strike. If one of your feature creatures have vigilance, everybody has vigilance. Same thing goes for flying, life gain, pretty much anything. So he really works well if you're playing a bunch of smaller creatures or even a bunch of like two twos, three threes, four fours, or even bigger. He helps everybody be better together. And man, that really, once you get that snowball going of just putting so many creatures in the battlefield that have so many different keywords, it really helps out. White also has the ability, not just for the, the white weenie of like giving everybody different keywords and everything, but they have a really good ability of making a bunch of tokens. Usually you're going to find a ton of like soldier tokens made by white. Uh, cards like Raise the Alarm cost two white mana, can play, you play to instant speed and you just, you make two one, one white soldier tokens. Really awesome. I, I really think that's cool. And so that really plays to your ability of saying, let's just fill the board with a bunch of small guys. Um, and then you want to find ways to buff them up. You know, things like Honor the Pure, which just says all of your white creatures get plus one, plus one. Um, it's an enchantment. It just sits there. Buffs all your white creatures. So if you, you know, play Raise the Alarm, which costs two mana, and then you play Honor the Pure, which costs two white mana, 
or one man white white mana and one of any other color so you can play a multicolor decks pretty easily you can put creatures in the battlefield you can then buff them up um, and just keep building up on those anthems you also have things like inspired charge uh, which costs four mana it's instant speed and then gives all of your creatures plus two plus two and it's a common um, it's great for popper decks if you're wanting to get into that side of things and makes it really easy just to buff your entire team so if you are doing that go wide strategy where you have so many creatures in the battlefield um, when you think about it if you have a 1-1 one, one creature and 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 now they're all 3-3 three, three creatures, you are going to be dealing exponential damage when you are swinging in versus if you had one big creature and then you played this spell. So that is the one downside is when you're playing the go wide white weenie just small little guy strategy. You don't really want to focus on cards that are just going to buff up one person. You want to try and look at cards that buff up the entire team. Um, or at least have the benefit that it does kind of both. Um, I think there was one from... I'm trying to think of the set. It's it's essentially like the Avengers Endgame version where everybody's on Ravnica. Um, gosh, I think it's called, it's called Take Heart is the name of the card. And this one's pretty cool because it buffs one of your creatures up. It, it gives them plus two, plus two, I believe, or at least plus one, plus one. It, it buffs them up just a little bit there. Um, but it also has the added ability that you get one life for each attacking creature that you have. So it encourages you to attack with your full team because you're going to gain a bunch of life on the swing. Um, but it has the ability to kind of maybe save one of your guys if they happen to get blocked. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you are looking for cards, try to look for ones that benefit from you having a bunch of creatures on the battlefield. If you're playing this white weenie small guy strategy. Um, and I really like this strategy myself personally because like when I'm playing Warhammer, I'm playing D&D or something, I'm usually the guy that I love to have a bunch of guys on the battlefield and be able to give them buffs. That's kind of what led me to Wargaming and that's where with Magic, I love token decks. Riss the Redeemed is one of my favorites and uh, Riss is one of those that really plays well with the go wide strategy. It's a token deck, so you're putting a bunch of tokens on the battlefield and just overwhelming your opponent with how many bodies you have on there. Yes, they can probably die from a board wipe and an easy like pyroblast or whatever, but when you're playing spells like that that help embrace that, that really helps you out when playing white. This go wide strategy works out pretty well too when you're playing with green. Um, green does a great job at really helping out with a bunch of them and that's why you see green and white. Celestia really works well together because a lot of white spells help buff the team like Inspired Charge, but like green does the same thing with spells like Overrun. Um, which then gives plus three, plus three to all of your creatures. And I think maybe Trample, don't quote me on that one. I think it is plus three, plus three and Trample. Um, it costs like six mana. But man, that thing can win you games if you play it right. If you're playing a token deck, play an Overrun, and now you've got, you know, like 40 damage going through easily um, if you have 10 guys, if you built your deck right. So when you're looking at that, look at colors to help embrace and help out the rest of your team. Red and white are good at this because red also has things that buff the rest of your team. Um, I forget what the name of the card is off the top of my head, but it is a red spell. Um, it's something Fury. It came from the um, the return to Dominaria. Um, man, why can I not think of it? I went to the pre-release and everything, and it's on the top of my tongue. Um, but essentially what it does is it gives all of your guys first strike for one red mana and you get to draw a card. It's a cantrip that buffs the entire team and can go through. And that's a great card to include as well if you're playing red and white because one, you're drawing a card to replace it so that you're not really down a card. 
but it is super helpful to say, hey, you know, we give a buff to my entire team. So if you're wanting to block with it, play this, give all your guys first strike, and now all of your small guys get to hit your opponent's creature attacking in first. Um, otherwise, I mean, just do it with your team while you're swinging in. You might be able to take out other small chump blockers that your opponent's throwing in front of you too, just to make sure your guys don't die in the process. And when you're doing it too, look for, you know, those big creatures that kind of be your top in game that are going to help you out. One of my favorites um, is Captain of the Watch. Captain of the Watch is a soldier creature. She is awesome. She costs six mana, which kind of sucks, um, but she's a three, three. And then she also gives plus two, plus two to all of your soldiers which guess what she makes three soldier tokens on the battlefield so effectively she's a three through herself and now she have um you know three different three threes on the battlefield supporting her so i mean you just got 12 damage off of you know one card right there and so you know if you already built your deck that way and you are playing more soldiers and you have them on the battlefield and you're really kind of going wide she could be great top end because if you're pairing up onto the pier well they're all white so they're going to help you out with getting that plus one plus one there she's gonna give everybody plus two plus two because they're soldiers it just i mean the size of your group but yeah Captain the Watch is a great example of a card that really helps out with just focusing on making your team go wide and helping out and the examples I gave you here, those are multiple instances of cards that have been printed and reprinted across multiple sets. Um, and a lot of them are found in the core sets too, which makes them pretty stinking cheap if you are a budget player looking to get into the game. This is great for people if you're wanting to get into Commander, uh, because pretty much every set has something that either caters to making a bunch of tokens and putting them on the battlefield, or buffing up said tokens. The one thing that I'll let you know is it might get a little bit difficult if you're going for something like with my Soldier's deck, if you're playing Commanders, uh, and you can only have one card specifically in that deck, you only have one Captain the Watch, and then like one Veteran Armorsmith, and one Veteran Swordsmith, you might have a bad time because they only buff Soldiers. Now, this is no problem if you're playing a bunch of Soldiers and you're creating a bunch of Soldier tokens, they're gonna work pretty well and synergize together, but if you can find cards that just buff creatures generically, or heck, even, you know, white creatures generically, that will help you out a ton in playing it. But also look for effects that, you know, buff all creatures, you know, if it flickers all creatures in the battlefield, if it makes all your creatures indestructible, think for cards that way, and that's how you can start building your decks around that one. Commander just makes it a little bit more difficult because you can only have one copy of a card in the deck. So when you are playing with that one, you may have to look around and see, okay, well, what creates a bunch of different tokens for me? and what things buff those tokens, either by giving them greater strength and toughness, or just giving them a special ability like flying, that give all your creatures flying, that is a buff for your entire team. So, you know, look at those cards that way. And that's kind of like one parallel that if you are looking to get into the color play of white, you can definitely look at on that side. And it's not the only one again, but it is a great one to get started off with. And I built a very budget magic deck. Um, you can look me up online. I'm, the real Jay Ham on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I put up my soldier deck. I think I put it on there like years ago. Um, I don't remember how many years ago, but it was years ago that I actually put the video up where I went over my soldier budget deck um, for when you're playing with it. I've done some tweaks to it and everything, but pretty much that same core is there if you want to check it out, and that's how you can look at it. The other side of white and the color pie that I usually see quite a bit of that is printed set from set is the ability to gain life off of your cards. 
And when you're looking at that, you think of life as like a currency that you get in the game. The more life you have, usually the better you're going to do. There are some ways that your opponent can beat you um, outside the life gain strategy. So, you know, the things to look out for, the ways that you can get beat still, even if you're gaining a bunch of life. Infect is one way to do that with the new possible hints at um, new Phyrexia coming out. We might see more Infect coming through or at least more strategies that cater towards the Infect strategy. So the way it works is if you get hit by an Infect creature that gives you a poison counter and if you have 10 poison counters on you, you lose the game. It's like you got poisoned to death pretty much. And there are some cards that if you get one Infect counter on you, they can just proliferate and put more counters on that specific type onto you and really affect you. So that's one, one way that you can lose. The other way is mill, which is my favorite strategy in magic. Um, it caters more to the black and blue side of things and sometimes white depends. But um, yeah, if you, if the game's going long and you and your opponent are kind of just in a stalemate, you can still lose the game because if you try to draw into it into library, you lose. So life gain is not always a perfect strategy, but it is a pretty good one. Um, so you want to make sure that you're playing life game, make sure you put in some pieces in there to help protect you against the infect strategy and protect you against the mill strategy. And life gain is another thing that you want to look at is you need to be able to close the game out somehow. Um, there are some cards that benefit from you gaining life. Things like Angelic Accord are great because if you gain at least four life in your turn, which in a lot of decks and a lot of cards it's pretty easy to do you gain four life boom you put an angel token on the battlefield and that angel token is going to do work for you because it's a flyer so it has that evasion and it can help push through damage so in a sense you gaining life is doing more than just staying ahead of your opponent life wise but it's also putting some kind of board advantage on there for you life gain in my opinion is a great strategy that if you're wanting to play the long haul of the game it's a good way to get into it. Um, some cards like Cathedral Sanctifier, which was printed over the, um, I think the original Innistrad and probably was reprinted in Shadows of Innistrad. Or maybe it was just Shadows of Innistrad. There's other cards that do similar things to it, but when it enters the battlefield, it costs one white mana, it's a one, one, and it gets you three life when it hits the battlefield. That's the equivalent of you get to put a creature on the battlefield and then protect yourself from one lightning bolt. Pretty decent um, as far as being a counterplay to that because um, effectively you're getting two pieces of the puzzle right there to protect you from other people dealing damage to you, but also getting you life to put yourself above your opponents. Um, another card, Archangel Thune. I love this card. It's in my angel deck for a reason. One, she's an angel, and she's pretty pretty freaking awesome. So the way she works, she's got flying. She also has lifelink, which is a decent way to get life. And uh, every time you gain life, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on all of your creatures. So she caters to my white weenie go wide strategy, but also caters to a life gain strategy. The other thing that is cool with her is she has her life gain and that special ability built into her. So literally she is a one card combo in a way. You, you put on the battlefield, she can swing in and, or she can defend and block and she can gain life. Then when life is gained, you're putting a plus one plus one counter on her and every other creature on the board. So it gets really out of control <laughs> depending on when you are playing. And there's a reason why I bring a lot of um, plus one plus one counters to the table whenever I am playing that deck is she does pretty good work. Um, she's great in cube. Um, she's great in a lot of casual decks. And there's a reason that she's like over 20 bucks. 
And honestly, I think she's probably one of my all-time favorite cards in Magic altogether. Just for her design and the way that she plays, I, I really enjoy her as a card. So that's something that is cool um, when you are looking at life gain is you have different abilities to really help buff you up. And that's what you want to look for is you want to look for A, cards that gain you life, and B, cards that are going to help you with actually taking advantage of the life that you have. Uh, Felidar Sovereign and Test of Endurance are another two that I have um, in top of mind that I have in my decks that work out pretty well with life gain strategy. I play a Selvala Explorer Return deck where she is gaining your life. She's green and white. Um, and depending on your opponents and what they're playing, you can gain life off of her because of her parlay ability. And then also I'm playing other spells that gain you life. And essentially it's a kind of a behind the scenes group hug strategy where I'm trying to have everybody gain a bunch of life. And then I play Feldar Sovereign or Test of Endurance. And those ones read Feldar Sovereign, if you have 40 or more life, this, if you have the six mana creature on the board, you win the game. Just plain and simple. I think it's the beginning of your upkeep, but regardless, you have it on there, you got 40 life, you win. Um, Test of Endurance does the same thing. It's just 50 life instead of um, 40, and then it's an enchantment instead of a creature. So unless your opponent's packing removal for that, it's a little bit easier to keep on the board than a creature. Um, so that's one way you can win with life gain is when you go through and play, you want to be able to close the game out. Um, just simply having the most life doesn't necessarily net you a win. In some tournaments, I have heard that if you are playing and your match goes to time, then whoever has the most life at the end of the game wins and uh i mean i I've, I've kind of thought about doing that i back, back when i was running small tournaments for my friends that was something where i was like you know maybe that's what the rule will do so that way somebody has a reason to play a life game deck you have the ability to win a life game um without having to pack those in there but i also i'm not a big fan of that strategy too because you know, once you set that time limit there your players know okay i gotta make it to this point so they'll do slow plays or they'll do stuff that'll just really drag the game on and not really make it engaging and fun so what i recommend doing is packing things in your deck that help you win like with life gain like archangel thun or like test of endurance or angelic accord or felidar sovereign so on so forth there should be a reason as to why you're gaining so much life and if anything you could just simply say hey this is a life gain deck and then i'm gonna have like one or two or three or four just huge end of game bombs like avacyn angel hope that I'm gonna drop on the battlefield and I've got so much life that I've been able to make it to the turn that I can actually play that spell. Green and white work really well um, with life gain. So does blue and white. Being able to counterspell your opponent's stuff, take away their threats that can actually kill you or get rid of get rid of your pieces that gain you life, that's you know something that's really good to look at. Uh, a few other pieces that I didn't talk about there. Uh, Next Fleece Ram is one of my favorites too for life gain because I believe it costs either two or three mana, and it's like a zero-five creature. And it sits on the battlefield, and then it just gets you one life every upkeep. Pretty decent if you're just looking for triggers that gain you life. Um, the other thing to look at is Johnny's Pride Mate. That thing's been reprinted quite a bit, and it's two mana. And then every time you gain life, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. So, you know, the more triggers you can get of you gain life, you gain life, all you need is just one piece of life gained, and it triggers it just like Archangel of Thum. So that is something to look at when you're doing your life game strategy, try to close the game out. Either have cards that build up as you're gaining life or just have huge finishers that, hey, you've gained all this life. Now you have enough mana. You've made it to turn five, turn six, seven, eight, however long you're going with it. Now you can play your giant spells. You know, if you are 
I mean, if you are sitting at turn six and you haven't gone below 20 health, or heck, if you're getting close to 40 health, you're in a good spot. And especially if you have ways to protect you against Infect or have ways to protect you against um, Mill, you're going to have a pretty good time there too. And that is where the color blue really helps out with the counter spells to keep your opponent's threats off the board or help stop them from winning the game compared to you. So that's another way to look at it. Um, black and white work pretty well in life gain. Uh, black, this is one of the cool things, is when you add black and white together, it gives you opportunities to use some of your life. You can pay life a lot of times with white and black cards. This is the Orsoft pairing. And uh, some spells allow you to pay life to actually do some work. So black likes that. So if you gain a bunch of life with white, you can use the black side of the card to sacrifice that life to end up killing creatures or uh, dealing damage or wiping the board or whatever. But, you know, again, life gain is one of the many ways that you can go through and play with white and it has cards printed across the board in pretty much every set. You know, when you look at some of the early Ravnica sets, you look at Dominaria, you look at the start of Magic, white has been huge at gaining life and that's kind of what it's been known for. Um, but don't think it's just a one trick pony. That's all it can do. And again, I want you guys to kind of emphasize and just say, Hey, look at what I can play in white. Um, because there's, there's decks that use flicker where you bounce things up and you exile it, or you bounce back to your hand or whatever, put it back on the battlefield. Boom. And that's a cool strategy. People have built decks around that. People have built decks around tokens. People have built decks around boar wipes, indestructible, um, all kinds of different things. The, the death and taxes deck is a common white deck in the modern format and legacy format. And it's really cool. Um, especially if you like that kind of strategy. But, you know, again, if you're looking for a cheap budget way to get into magic and you're wanting to build a deck, look at those two. Look at life gain and look at going wide with your cards. And that will help you out with just making deck building a little bit easier and help you get into the game or get others into the game because it's a pretty easy concept to understand. The other thing I would say with life gain is lifelink is huge. Um, Baneslayer Angel, which is another one of my favorite cards. Again, another angel. And I play with her in my modern deck, my good old um, Unbarrel Rights deck. And man, she does work. Just for the simple fact that when she swings in, she's a 5-5. Five five. She's got first strike. She's got lifelink, protection from dragons and from demons. And not very many flyers are huge. Except for maybe other angels or demons or dragons. Okay, I just named off a few, <laughs> a few that you can get you. But like a lot of flyers that are normally played are not usually huge. So that first strike really comes in some decent play. And then when she swings in, that's a 10 point difference now. Because if you hit your opponent for five, they just went down five points of health. So at that point, you are above them by five. Then you gain that five points to yourself. You've just made a 10 point spread between you and your opponent. And that's what makes Baneslayer Angel and some of these other lifelink creatures that get through so stinking powerful for a life gain deck because your opponent is also trying not to get down to zero life. So if you're able to get them down to zero life faster and get yourself up, that's going to be huge and advantageous for the game overall, and it's going to put you in a good position to look at. But anyway, those are the two kind of archetypes that I would recommend you start off. If you are getting to know the color pie of white, you are a budget player looking to jump in and just trying to know what kind of theme or strategy you should look at when playing these colors, go for it. Hopefully, I, the ones I talked about, if you want to hear more about Flickr, or if you want to hear more about Death and Taxes or something else, there are so many videos out there that talk about those decks specifically, show you competitive gameplay of them, and I recommend check those out. But if you want to hear me talk about them 
let me know down in the comments, um, either from the podcast, whatever feature you look at. Let me know at the jhamspecial at gmail.com or jhamspecial on Twitter, where we talk about this podcast and kind of connect with the community. So thank you all for listening. I will look forward to talking to you guys next week on Magic Monday, where we're going to go over the color pie of blue. Until next time, I will talk to you guys later. Bye.